Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, we're going to be discussing state labor reforms for public sector unions. Joining me to discuss this very important topic is Vincent Vernuccio. He is the senior fellow at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Vinny, thanks so much for calling in today. Hey, thank you for having me on. Of course. So today we're going to be discussing, obviously, the Janus compliance decision at the Supreme Court of the United States. Just a brief explainer for those who aren't familiar with all of the topics in labor reform. We're going to be talking a little bit about right to work and also some recent uh, attorney general opinions that have come down dealing with Janus compliance. And of course, we're going to be talking about union recertification. So Vinny, just to start things off for our listeners who aren't familiar with what the quote-unquote Janus decision is, can you talk to us about what it means and what it does? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, the Supreme Court handed down the Janus versus AFSCME decision that protected the First Amendment rights of public employees across the country. Uh, essentially, what the case was about, it was two parts. The main part that everybody knows about was, of course, bringing right to work to public employees across the country. Mark Janus, who is a public employee, a child support specialist in Illinois, said that everything that his government union did was political. So to think about it, um, if unions are negotiating for higher wages, what is that? That's tax money. Even if they're negotiating for, let's say, a longer or shorter school day, what is that? That's public policy. So Mark Janice and his attorneys from National Right to Work and the Liberty Justice Center said that because everything that unions do, these government unions do, is inherently political, public employees like Mark Janice have a First Amendment right to choose whether or not to pay unions. And essentially that Mark Janice could not be forced to pay a union, an inherently political organization, against his will. And the Supreme Court sided with Mark Janice and brought right to work to the entire country for public employees. But they didn't just stop there. They actually went even further. And this is what we're going to talk about with some of these new attorney general opinions that are fast and furiously coming out. Um, They also said that those public employers have to get what Justice Alito called evidence of affirmative consent from public employees before a public employer can take money from their paycheck and give it to a union. Essentially, it said that public employees should opt in to union membership and to paying union dues and not have to go through an arduous opt-out process because you're talking about their First Amendment right to free speech and free association. And that was the heart of the Janus versus Aspie case. Yeah, what a really fun concept that We're talking right now on this podcast about how it's such an important change, but it just kind of seems like it makes so much sense. Hey, if you're going to be in this organization, you should actually join. You should actually give consent. You should be saying, yes, I want to join, as opposed to just forced into it all, you know, carte blanche, you know, a tacit consent by just taking a job. Uh, It seems kind of backwards minded, at least from my perspective, in the general system of how we deal with individual rights and individual uh, decision making. So I'm really happy to see this. And 
the ruling, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was actually a, a, you know, a ruling that overturned a past Supreme Court ruling um, in Abood v. Detroit Board of Education, um, which had the exact opposite effect. And so you were talking about how it gave right-to-work protections to all public employees across the country. Can you talk to our listeners exactly you know, what is the right to work? What does that mean? Why is that important? And then where are we at right now in the often called, quote-unquote, post-Janus, close quote, environment? Absolutely. Well, right to work is very simple. It simply means that a union can't get a worker fired for not paying them. It doesn't affect collective bargaining or do anything else besides giving workers the choice of saying, yeah, this union is doing a good job. I want to support them. Or no, this union is not doing a good job. I don't want to pay them. Uh, That's it. It's a very simple, basic concept of giving workers choice. And thanks to Janice versus AFSCME, that choice is available to public employees across the country. But unfortunately, for workers in the private sector, in 23 states, unions can still get them fired for not paying them. Now, on the plus side, in 27 states, workers have that freedom to choose. But because Janice only applied to public sector employees, in that minority of states right now, uh, unions can still get workers fired for not paying them uh, in the private sector. But what we do see with states, especially after they enact a right-to-work law, is we see higher population growth. We see higher wage growth. We see lower unemployment. And when you factor in cost of living, workers are actually making more in those right-to-work states. So even though it's a very simple concept, it's about choice, it's about giving workers that freedom to choose whether or not to support a union. It also has a great economic impact in states that choose worker freedom. Sure. So we talked a little bit in the introduction about how we're going to be discussing certain attorney general opinions. Uh, you know, we were talking just now about how we're in this post-Janus um, environment. Alec recently put out a model policy Um, And we're going to link that into the show notes. It's called the Public Employee Rights and Authorization Act. And it kind of deals with what's going on right now in the post-Janus environment. Last year, we saw the Attorney General of Alaska um, release an opinion. And just recently, we're recording this on June 18th, um, just recently we saw a new opinion or rulemaking decision come out by the Indiana Attorney General. What was that ruling or what was that opinion? Explain it to our listeners. Sure. And uh, it it is uh, June 18th when we're recording this, and the Attorney General from Indiana actually released his opinion last night. So this is very timely. And that opinion comes on the heels of the Texas Attorney General issuing an opinion uh, less than two weeks ago, which obviously came after, as you said, Alaska. So there is this now snowball effect of more and more top law enforcement officers and others recognizing that second part of the Janus decision that we were talking about before, that opt-in. Um, in fact, even in Michigan, the Civil Service Commission just put out a rule, a, a rulemaking and requested comments on this topic. And several states during the 2020 session have introduced legislation to protect public employees' First Amendment rights and fully implement Janus, including that opt-in provision. So with that, what do these opinions state and what do they do? So from Alaska, Texas, Indiana, 
the bills that have been introduced um, in several states, they do several things. The first is they recognize that affirmative consent that Justice Alito was talking about in the case. And uh, Justice Alito said that there needs to be, quote, evidence of affirmative consent, end quote. So what is that evidence? That is a dues authorization form or a membership form or something of the like that has to come directly from the employee to the employer. In a lot of states, what we see is we see that the unions are the ones that collect those forms. And uh, essentially, I mean, I've seen examples of unions literally sending an employer an Excel file or a spreadsheet saying, yeah, these are the people that said they're going to pay us, start taking money out of their paycheck. So first and foremost, that affirmative consent, that opt-in goes directly to the employer. The next thing it does is it makes sure that whatever form that those public employees sign advises them of their rights. Remember, now paying dues to a government union by a public employee is optional. And not only is it optional, but the right not to pay is a constitutional First Amendment right. So any form that's signed has to have some sort of disclaimer saying, yes, you're more than able to join the union and pay the union, but no, you have a First Amendment right to make a decision to join or not to join. Other things that it does, these opinions say that you have the right to opt, that public employees have a right to opt out at any time. We're seeing states like California, New York, New Jersey, and you, know, you can figure out wh which other states from that group that are actually trying to trap public employees into paying a union and making it extremely hard and making artificial time frames for when they can get out. So uh, many of these attorney general opinions say, don't no, you should be able to get out at any time. Also, because this is a First Amendment right, a constitutional right, constitutional rights, waivers of constitutional rights can expire. So from Alaska, to Texas, to Indiana, to all these states that are, be, that are introducing legislation doing the same thing, they have a time period. And generally what we're starting to see is it's generally about a year or what these AGs are saying that when a public employee opt-in, that opt-in is good for about a year. And then just like you re-up health insurance, just like you re-up your cable bill, um, public employees should be able to re-up their union membership and their union dues, but be able to make that choice on a yearly basis. So that's the heart of the decision. And, you know, it's really just about good bookkeeping, making sure that yeah. the, the public employee actually wants to pay the union and also making sure that first and foremost, those First Amendment rights are protected. So what I love the most as a non- lawyer, non-super wonky guy. Uh, what I love the most about this Supreme Court decision is how it puts the individual first. It seems like it cares about personal responsibility. It cares about putting individualism as the hallmark of this decision because it's saying, no, not the collective, the union. It's saying, no, the individual gets to decide if they want to join, if they don't want to join. Similarly, this same mindset of individualism, I think, rings true in another ALEC model policy, which is the ALEC model policy on union recertification. Um, this is a really interesting topic because some people might not think about it when it comes to unions, but 
there are actually elections in unions, and sometimes they aren't dealt with in the most fair way. Uh, Vinny, what does that ALEC model policy do, and why is it so important? So maybe start off, what's going on today, or what's going on in states that don't have this model policy, this individual protection? Sure. So states like Florida, Iowa, uh, Missouri, there's a court case on that, but that's another story. Wisconsin um, have passed what's known as union recertification legislation or worker voting rights. So it's simple. Just like we vote for president, just like we vote for Congress, governor, state legislature, this legislation gives public employees the right to reelect the union at their workplace, recertify it, or not. Um, and unfortunately, what we've seen is that many public sector unions or government unions were certified in you know, the 60s and 70s. And then public employees were never given another vote to say, yes, I want this union to represent me or no, I don't. You know, at the Mackinac Center, we actually did a study and we looked at the top 10 school districts in Michigan. And we found, and you know, this is actually similar to other data from across the country, that less than 1% of teachers in those school districts were employed when that union got certified or ever had a chance to vote for that union. In some school districts, statistically speaking, it was zero. Oh, wow. And, you know, I, I didn't want to report zero on it. So then I went actually and looked statistically how many were even alive when the union certified and about 75% weren't even alive oh my God. when that union certified. So you're not wow. even talking about your parents, you're, you're talking about your grandparents union. So worker voting rights, union recertification, it simply gives public employees the right to say, yeah, this union should stay or no, let's have a vote. Let's have no union or a different union come on in. Yeah. And I love that. You know, it goes back to putting the individual first. And that's why I love uh, labor reform. I think it is so important because right to work means that it's the individual first. It all goes back to individuals over the collective, over some group mentality. Um, and I think that's really important. We are coming a little bit to the end of our segment today on Across the States. But before we close out, uh, Vinny, I always want to give our guests a moment to talk to the state policy, the state wonky world that is Alex. So most of our listeners are either state legislators themselves or highly invested state policy wonks like you, Vinny. So while you have your stage here, you've got your audience, what is your takeaway? What's the one thing you want to make sure state legislators and people who really care about getting state policy right, what do you want to make sure that they remember from this podcast today? I think you said it best, protect the individual, protect public employees, protect their First Amendment rights, protect their choice, and most of all, protect their hard-earned paychecks. And that's where things like these attorney general opinions and this legislation comes in that makes sure that those employees have given affirmative consent and that their employers have that evidence of affirmative consent on a periodic basis after those public employees have been fully informed of their rights. And I think that is one of the most important things happening in the states today. Well, you've been joining us for another great conversation on ALEC Across the States. I've been your host, Dan Reynolds, taking a deep dive into state labor reforms for the public sector unions. My guest today has been Vincent Vernuccio, who is the senior fellow at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy in Midland, Michigan. Vinny, thank you so much for calling in. Thanks for giving this great breakdown and giving us some nice uh, action items and next steps that we can look at. 
Hey, thanks again for having me on. Of course. And if you are interested in having your ideas featured or discussed on Alec Across the States, do not hesitate to email us at acrossthestates at alec.org. And please, please, please rate our podcast wherever you are listening to it. It helps get us some new friends to listen and join in the debate for state policy. I'm Dan Reynolds. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council. <laughs>